And welcome, listeners, to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman White. We have a very exciting episode, very fresh. It's almost like a hot takes for a Cathode Raycast, which is exciting because sometimes we don't get to record as soon after a show ends. I, I just I just finished watching it right before this. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> if you heard that voice, uh, this is my guest for this podcast, this episode where we're talking about beef. We have Diana DeMuro. Ayo, beef. <laughs> beef. <laughs> it's funny. You can't really say the, the name of this show without like putting some kind of funny yeah. voice on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, like a funny non sequitur before we get into the show is that I went to the Hudson Valley Renegades you know, minor league baseball team one year for a game followed by, uh, I think it was specifically for 4th of July. So they had the Philharmonic there playing. It was like a bonus thing. And they played that song that was on the beef. It's what's for dinner commercial, which I should know the real name, but I don't. Who does? And someone, someone from the stands at the end of the song just yelled out, beef. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was like, yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> what a fun thing to see after a baseball game. Yeah. yeah it was, and then there were fireworks. So it was like you got everything. Baseball, music, fireworks. Yeah. 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 Sports, <laughs> culture, arts. Um, America. America. Beef. Beef. <laughs> what a great so, memory. Yeah. That's why I had to look up that commercial to send you when you were asking if anyone wanted to record with you. And I was like, yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I actually watched all of the show yesterday, except for the last two episodes, which I did save for today. So I didn't watch it just before getting on the microphone, but I did watch it earlier today. Yeah, I watched like the good five episodes like on Monday and then watched a few more over the last few days and then watched the last two episodes today. And I was just like, oh, those last two episodes. (laughs) Yeah, pretty intense. Intense. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, listeners, as a warning, very first and foremost at the top of this podcast, this is not similar to Hot Takes, where we do a spoiler-free section. We get immediately into just talking about the show in any which angle we like. Um, So if you have not watched Beef yet, and that is important to you to watch it without any spoilers, please go watch it and then come back and join us for the rest of this podcast. If you don't really care about spoilers and you just want to hear us talk about it anyway, feel free. And then I'm also (laughs) assuming this show has been the number one show on Netflix for this like pretty much entire week. So I'm assuming many of you have probably already watched this. So I know I was looking at Twitter and I was trying to avoid until I watched those final two episodes. I didn't want to see any clips or any needle drops because this show has awesome music. (laughs) Really awesome music. It's like nostalgia fest for us, I feel like, because it's like what us as angry teens listen to. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that is the angle for why they chose the music that they chose. Because, yeah, there are times where I'm like, does this show take place in present day? Yes, it does. But it feels like it's in the 90s. I think it's a callback that the main characters were like children of the 80s. So I feel like they're in their late 30s, early 40s, you know, time frame. And so that's sort of like whoever made the show, I think, is also that age, which is awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, especially the fashion, what Amy wears in the show is very, like, late 90s. She's got some blossom hats. Big time blossom energy, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think uh, to start off, getting into Beef, obviously, really like these actors who are involved in this show. Oh, Um, man, so good. And then obviously with that little stamp of A24 on it, you know, piqued my interest. But yeah, how long had you been tracking this show? And I'm assuming you were pretty pumped. I I think I must have seen on Instagram like a a poster or screenshot for A24. And I was like, what's that? And at first I was like, is it a movie? Is it, you know... um, and then when I finally saw the trailer and it was like, it's Ali Wong and Steven Yeun. And I was like, whoa, whoa. You know, and then the trailer is, uh, you're, you're kind of like, okay, this could be fun. This could be stressful. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with it. And then uh, just like, it's got so many other good people in it too, that I was intrigued. And a couple of little music snippets of for the trailer. So I was like, yeah, I got to see this. I mean, I loved him in Minari and this is <laughs> totally different, but he's just such a good actor. Steven Young's such a good actor. So I was pretty on board to watch it eventually, but this was good that you wanted to record. Give me a little nudge to watch it sooner than later. And I think that helps because I would have probably had something spoiled for me if I had waited and I'm glad I didn't. So, yeah, I think yeah. so too. The the Netflix shows are the ones that always pass me by because they release it yeah. all at once. I wish they did. I wish they I didn't don't, I don't, as well. May, maybe someday. Like even in recent times, there's been some shows where they've released like three or four episodes and taken a break and then the rest of the season. And even that model is great to make you wait for it a little bit and to speculate and have that fun conversation like you normally would with your week to week shows. Those are the, you know, the water cooler moments that I think make watching TV fun. So sometimes it's too much all at once, but say lovey. I know. (laughs) This is a good show. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, because it's different now, now that we're kind of, you know, out of the pandemic, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I felt like back during those periods, yeah, people had time to sit down and watch a show that came out all at once. And it was easier to stay on track. But now that television production has resumed, yeah, it's more difficult because other studios are going back to the week to week model and leaving these shows in the dust. So yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like there's so much like... There's just there's just so many shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it's an older show and I haven't seen it, then I'm like, how many seasons are there already? And, I, you know, because like uh, I was watching Succession and I found it so stressful that I took a break and now I'm behind, but I'm trying to not get spoiled. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, so there's stuff like that where it ends up biting you in the butt if you don't 
keep up with it and then it seems overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you except for Barry and obviously I'm <gasps> seeing those previews for what this season. So I'm like, all right, well I kind of right. know some things. I know where he kind of oh, ends man. up, but I don't know how Barry's he ends good. up. So yeah, Barry's good. I need to get back on track for that because that's coming out soon as well. I'm excited for you to see that. Yeah. That, that last season has been, whew, that was a good season. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so with Beef listeners, if you're listening to this blind, I think that's kind of cool too. But yeah, very simple <laughs> premise of the show is Ali Wong plays a character named Amy and Stephen Young plays a character named Danny and they get into a road rage incident and then slowly but surely one or the other or both start escalating the situation yeah more and more in each episode um and really i think it's fun that the story is like it's not really about them really it's just that these are two very angry people and this was kind of like the last straw that broke the camel's back and they're yeah. like i can't take this bullshit anymore and they really and like, take it out on each other and just when you think like one of them is on track to like be okay in life the other one kind of sucks them back in yeah <laughs> and it's sort of like you know like they are sort of in a weird way like sherlock and moriarty like they're like giving each other zingers they're challenging each other they're fucking with each other's lives and family and it like <laughs> at first i was like this is stressful then i was like this is hilarious and then i was like this got so intense at the end <laughs> Yeah, it really kind of went into like almost like a very surreal place towards the yes. end where it kind yes. of made it easier to digest because, yeah, in those first few so. episodes, you're just like, oh, my gosh, just like go to therapy. Like, I know people are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, go to therapy, A, and B, like actually try to implement it and not just be doing it just to like cross it off of a list. Yes. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. There is some like I love the kind of the overall theme with Amy where she she doesn't want people to know what she thinks she is quote unquote really like you know so she's constantly presenting a facade calm got her shit together not phased by stuff but then when we see her road rage with Danny that's like her letting it loose that that's how she actually is and then realizing that that actually makes her feel good like that's her way to manage her stress in her life is to take it out on Danny and like really go for it so it's kind of nuts you know it's like she doesn't think people will love her if they knew what she was actually like and then Danny's mentality of like blaming everybody else around him for getting the short end of the stick but not really encouraging his little bro or anyone else to like move on is sort of their own you know, it's always somebody else's fault. But it's so interesting how they like tit for tat up the game with each other. It's so nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time, like, especially by episode four, I'm like, how can they keep this going for another six yeah. episodes? It's already almost like, in my very naive sense of the world, they're at the top. Like, yeah. how can they go further yeah. than that? And then they continue. I feel like they do such a good job of like the the crazy messed up title cards for every episode of these like intense paintings and it being like beef and with like loud music. <laughs> and then every end episode ending with some kind of nuts, uh, sort of nineties grunge needle drop 
where it's like the offspring, Bush, uh, Incubus, like Tori Amos. Talking about, yeah, Tori Amos, uh, Bjork. Like they're just like going for smashing pumpkins. They're just going for it. And oh man, it's it's so good. Like I'm like, which song is going to be the last five minutes of the episode? And it's exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the title cards were really interesting, and I feel like perhaps on a rewatch, I'll be able to like better figure out exactly what all of those title cards are saying in the episode. Because yeah, it's so cool to have like a pretty modern show, which is talking about history and generational trauma and you know, all that kind of stuff. But have you read this very like eloquent title before the beginning of each episode where they're just being really shitty to each other? Yeah. It's just the juxtaposition is really cool. <laughs> and it, I think it's really interesting, too, because it's sort of like, you know, like, obviously, neither of us is Asian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like it's commenting on, you know, like the Maria Bello Jordan character is a rich white lady who likes to appropriate, you know, objects from other cultures and then you have these two main characters who are Asian American who are both like their parents both struggled to try and help them out. But in the process, like there's that line in like the last episode where, where he says something like, um, you know, like maybe their parents passed down like all of the, the like shit in the womb, like the generational trauma in the womb to the next kid, you know, Um And I was just like, oh, that's right. I mean, I sometimes feel like that. Like, you're a product of your parents the way, whether they had good intentions or not for you and your life. You know, like Amy loving her daughter June and wanting what's best for her, but also being like, June's going to fix me and make me whole. What's wrong with me? And then that's not right either. You know, so it's like this whole, I like that they're both Asian. It's not like pitting one culture against another. They're just both like trying to fucking hustle and make it and started out, you know, either poor or middle class and just are trying to work for something better. And then you've got like crazy Maria Bello's character, who's pretty great. Mm -hmm. She's pretty nuts. And then the Naomi character, who's sort of in between, like the, the latching on to like, climb the ladder, initially to her brother in law, but then... When it when it comes out that they got together, I was like, holy shit, this is too appropriate. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that the beginning of that episode, they're at uh, George's like art party. And yeah, you're like, oh, they're standing very close. Like they've become very chummy. And then you're like, oh, OK, they're together now. Got it. <laughs> and at first I was like, is this real? Like I was just like, is this just fucked up? Like, and and that kind of dichotomy of, like, um, Naomi and Amy being friends and both being Asian and bonding over having little kids. And then when each of them has the opportunity to sort of, like, progress either financially or successfully, they unintentionally, you know, uh, just, like, push the other one off, like, hurt each other's feelings or disrespect each other without even trying and then they're making enemies out of each other without even realizing it and it's pretty crazy when you start to be like oh shit oh shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this the show is definitely i mean some of them are acting very much in the forefront very 
active acts of aggression, but yeah, all yeah. Of the passivity as well, like so many passive acts of aggression that they don't even know that they're doing pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. And then just like, um, you know, like the idea of social media, the Yelp reviews, following each other on Instagram, the um, doorbell security camera, like the way that that technology changes and how that influences, like they're able to look up each other's license plate numbers, um, put like negative fake Yelp reviews, pose like catfish as somebody else on Instagram, like all the craziness that makes it escalate so much faster that you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if, you know, we wouldn't have thought to do that kind of stuff when we were younger, but now it's, yeah, everybody can do that. <laughs> yeah, they made it seem it's very easy. <laughs> Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah, the whole concept of a neighborhood watch is so much crazier when someone has a security camera by their front door. Yeah. You know? So it's like it's not just actual neighbors being like, we're going to keep an eye out for our kids. It's like, no, yeah, they saw you hit my mailbox and there's recorded footage. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> now we're going to fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even really considered like just how invasive all of the social media and cameras were in the film or in the show. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did find there are only a couple of things in the show that just tip me off like, oh, I'm watching a television show. It's sure, just, sure. I don't know that many people who have their phone not on silent. And so the fact that like no one in this show had their phone on silent, I'm like, okay, this is... Yeah. This is breaking the illusion of reality I, a little bit. I agree. Or like it, the plot device of at least m making someone's vibrating phone even sound loud enough that they would notice it to pull it out of their pocket or something like that, because you kind of need that to, to push things along. And you're right. Yeah, there's so many opportunities where you wouldn't get a message until way later, until you actually physically pulled your phone out and we were like, oh, yeah. Oh, somebody called me? Oh, oh here it is. Know. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, and then the only other complaint I have with this show, because I really don't have many, because it's very good, um, is just the use of all of the text messages on screen. Some of them were very oh. difficult to read. But I think that's more of like, a minor gripe of me just getting older and being like, I guess I have to pause it and walk to my TV screen to like read these texts. Yeah. But towards the end, yeah. I was like, all right, they're doing this a lot. I don't think I'm going to pause it every single time. I think I'm just going to get the gist of what's going on. I know I've, I have kind of fallen into a habit that, you know, is good or bad, but with Netflix, it's so easy to turn closed captioning on and off. So there's so many times now where I'm just like, wait, what did they say? And I'll just go back and then put the captions on and try and listen to it again to be like, did I miss something important? And sometimes yes, but sometimes I don't think you're meant to totally understand what's going on. And I'm kind of disrupting the, the flow without even trying. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's sort of a bad you know, example of, of streaming services that you're able to do that. But on the other hand, nowadays, like, I'm just like, I can't fucking hear what anyone's saying. <laughs> I'm just like, why is everyone mumbling? The music is loud. The dialogue is low. I'm like, who mixed this? <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, there there is that. Yeah, that is the <laughs> like the main perk of going to a movie theater is just having like the sound be perfect most of the yeah. time. Fingers crossed. You hope you get the sound to be perfect. Yeah, and the screen's and you have big to enough. Put your phone away. Yeah, the screen's big enough. So you put your phone away. If there's subtitles, there's subtitles. If they don't want you to know what's going on, you won't it's know. On purpose. Exactly. <laughs> Because, yeah, especially so. there was one episode, I think it was, like, pretty halfway through the season, and the the text messages were appearing on screen, but the text was written in white, and the background mm-hmm. was, like, a light blue sky? And I'm like, yeah, you're this like, is, is nearly impossible yeah. to read. And I know yeah. they want me to read it, or else they wouldn't have included it, but I'm not going to make <laughs> the extra effort to figure it out. <laughs> right. I'm right. just going to miss some of these texts. It'll be okay. Oh, man. So I was looking up a little bit about the directors from the show. And honestly, I've never watched um, anything that any of them had directed because uh, so the one female director, Hikari's directed Tokyo Vice, which I still haven't seen, which I have heard is awesome. I've heard that's very good as well. Yeah. Um, the main writer for the show, Lee Sung Jin, is a big writer for Dave, which I have also never watched, but have heard is funny. Yeah, I can definitely and see the similarities just from seeing commercials for Dave that they yeah. do seem similar. Yeah, sort of like the awkward humor and tension building. Um, and then the other director, uh, Jake Schreier, I have not seen... I was I was looking. Let me see if I've seen anything else by him, but I I don't think so because I was sort of trying to look into um, about halfway. I was like, certain episodes are insane, and I was looking to see who directed those episodes in particular. You know, mm-hmm. and so I I kind of do want to go watch Tokyo Vice now because I really liked some of the episodes directed by Hikari. Like the Vegas episode is nuts. <laughs> You know, or um, yes, that one's very, very good. Yeah, or even the uh, oh, this one is actually directed by Jake Schreier, but the one that finishes with the with the church basketball game is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think if you're going to do a ten episode series, limited series, although they say they have more ideas. For maybe a couple more seasons for this show. Oh, really? Which would be cool. Okay. I know they said that they wanted to have a definitive ending with this just in case it didn't get picked up. Yeah, I wasn't sure if this was sort of a one and done because it's it's sort of left open, but it could easily just be that's the ending. Right. You know? And I like that. I think that's good. Me, me too. Good me too. show running for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked that in the 10 episodes, we did get very distinct episodes. They didn't really blend together. They did feel like contained, which is yeah. always nice because I think that's a sign of a good show. Totally. But yeah, the episode where you're seeing the backstory of both Amy and Danny was also really oh. good. Where And they added that horror element of that woman who's always watching Amy from her childhood oh book. Oh my God. Terrifying, yes. right? So... It took me a minute, and then when they showed a page of the book, I don't know if there's copyright issues or what, but that definitely looked like this book that I we used to take out of the library in, in elementary school um, that was like Miss Nelson is back. I remember Miss Nelson. Like, do you remember those? Yes. Because it was like the, t- the teacher had had enough, and then she would pretend to call out sick, and she'd dress up as Miss Nelson and be like a real hard-ass 
and scare the crap out of her class. And then her class would be so happy when she came back to class. Yes. But at first I was like, who the hell is this scary, like giant nose, dark haired, like kind of bird-like figure. And then you've got Danny who's got this like relationship with the crows, which is crazy. So it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they did a good job of keeping it like pretty grounded for the first half of the show. But, totally. But then really starting to get more absurd later on. Shit got real weird at the end. Super weird. <laughs> yeah, especially in I that first scene where Amy is having sex in the hotel room and she looks yes. at the face and we're like, what is going on here? Yeah, what? Exactly. We're like, I don't understand who that's supposed to be. <laughs> right. And why, why she sees herself that way, you know? So, but uh, I love that even though they both kind of try and present to other people an image that we get these like glimpses of their own repressed feelings about things or how they view themselves. Um, and then throughout the course of the, the show, like we start to realize how alike they are, even though that's why they're making each other so angry. It's sort of like, you know, being like, Oh, you know, certain family members don't get along, but then you're like, well, they're just like each other, you know? So having those riffs or, or conflict, like you said, generational trauma or shared types of upbringing that their parents made them feel guilty that they gave up all this stuff for them. And now they want them to succeed. And, you know, kind of where did that leave them? So, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also liked how it seemed because they are so similar and because they both have anger issues and depression issues and had this like aching in them that they never quite knew what it was yeah. or how to solve it. I think the reason or because they're so similar, when one would see the other one retaliate, I think there yeah. was a little bit of jealousy there. Like, oh, they get yeah. to they get to be that way. I want to be that way. I've suppressed that my entire life. So then yeah. they slowly start bringing it out in each other they're like oh totally i want to do that i want to be just as bad and express my it's rage kind of like yeah and it's almost like they're muse because then they're like oh fuck yeah it's game time now i'm gonna even make it even worse because they gave they kind of gave me the okay to be my shittiest self right <laughs> which i can kind of relate to but never to that violent of an extent like I remember just growing up, my mom would be like, yeah, I had road rage. This kid flipped me off, blah, blah, blah. I, I ended up following him. And like nowadays, you're like, no, nobody does that because you might die. Right. Because <laughs> you never know if somebody has a gun on them or how they're going to react. But it's sort of like, oh, this is modern day. And it sort of puts it in the context of like wealthy Los Angeles versus, you know, even if this had happened set in the 90s, maybe you would have been more like, oh, yeah, I could see somebody like actually getting in a road rage incident. That happens a lot more regularly back then. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no cell phone, you're just gonna flip somebody off, you think they're not gonna be able to remember your license plate, you know, whatever. But nowadays, it's like, where you can take a video or a photo or, you know, like, there's no escape from your bad behavior. It's always gonna come back and haunt you. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was shocking that her being the person in the road rage incident didn't come out until like episode four. 
I know. I really thought it was going to come out sooner. Almost instantly, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, there are a lot of people driving white SUVs in California, I'm sure. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, with this show, I think we've definitely become accustomed to, I mean, it's nothing new to have terrible people be the leads of shows. I mean, yeah. that's kind of been around for a while now, which is cool because they're cool characters to explore. But were yeah. you ever explicitly rooting for one over the other? Or did you really kind of like them both? Did you not like them both? What were your thoughts? You know, I think initially, initially I was rooting for Danny mm -hmm. because you kind of feel like, because I've been in that scenario where you're like backing out of a spot and you're like, I'm going pretty slow, but I didn't see somebody. Right. And then they just like flip you off or react or whatever. And you're like, I didn't do anything that bad. Why are you freaking out on me so much? Right. You know, so initially it almost sort of puts the blame on Amy. And then when you realize like she's much more wealthy, like she's going to get away with it. He's kind of struggling. I can kind of see how like initially I was a little bit more sympathetic to Danny Cho than I was to Amy. But there are times throughout the series where I think they do a really good job of making Amy sympathetic, even though she's losing her shit and like escalating the situation when she should just let it alone. You know, yeah. you're just like, you have a good life. Just let it be. <laughs> and you're like, no, you're, uh, you're pointing a gun at a video that you're going to send him and like freaking the fight, you know, just like all <laughs> the things. And you're like, you're seeking out his little brother on social media. Na, 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 you know, like all the things that are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I like that George is like, can't we just like let this go? And she was like, yeah. aren't you angry? Don't you want to retaliate? And George is like, yeah. no, not really. <laughs> she really eggs him on to be what she considers more masculine, you know, like, and I love how he is the, the stay at home dad and the artist and really in touch with his feelings and really sweet. Um, I love when he like finally admits to the af emotional affair that he has with Mia. Cause like up until that point, you're like, well, does he hook up with her? And then mm -hmm. you realize no, but he like says something like, oh, I wish I could find it. Um, cause I, I wrote down a couple of quotes that I just found particularly hilarious. And it was sort of like, uh, he says something like, have you ever heard of like a divine partner or something like that? You know what I mean? Like a spiritual whatever. And she's like, no, what? You know, like she like freaks the fuck out. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like he's like, I think we knew each other on another life or another plane. And she's like, what? what the fuck? You know, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I love that. Um, yeah, I really laughed in those first couple episodes where – First, she's like, why are you liking all of my employees' photos? And he was like, I'm yes. not liking them for the photos. I'm liking them for the comments. And that and was like, funny. No, and then no. later when he accidentally sends the photo, he was oh, like, so terrible. I, I saved so it for terrible. the comment. Yeah, you're like, lies, lies. <laughs> I saved um, it for the comment. So, so funny. Good. It's so good. I love... Um, I love the Justin Min character at the church. Like, I love the whole 
rivalry of like the good Christian Asian and like the the singing and the sort of like weird celebrity around it. Mm-hmm. And then Danny like not only needing the money to try and buy this house for his parents, but also him just wanting this other guy to go down because it's his ex-girlfriend is married to him, you know, and it's it's so good. Like the basketball game is so good. And then that like sequence when we finally see Danny singing in front of the church, you're just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Rising through the ranks. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, end on a high note, Danny. End on a high note. <laughs> yeah, those types of churches are always so fascinating to me because Yeah, the like the rock the, the rock, rock church. opera of it yeah. all. And you're just like, I don't know about this, but okay. Yeah, because it does just seem like concerts. <laughs> It just seems yeah. like you're going to a concert every week. <laughs> yeah. And uh but I did kind of identify with that like whole of whether or not you believe in something, like Danny finding some familiarity or comfort in it when he first goes back and he's like so fucked up. Mm-hmm. But then he's able to like listen to the music and he just starts crying because that was probably part of his childhood upbringing to go to churches like that. So, you know, it's sort of like a cathartic release, even though he may not agree or believe in any of that anymore it's sort of just like a familiarity for him like comforting his parents aren't there they're back in korea yeah it's just him and his brother yeah yeah i thought the show (laughs) show was really bold to linger on shots like that of danny just crying and then there were several scenes of amy as well but definitely one in therapy and yeah, just like a lot of like really up close shots of just their faces, yeah. just like emoting, which was really cool to see. Yeah. And I love that initially with Amy, you're like, she doesn't believe in therapy. It's she's going to couples counseling with George and she's kind of faking her way through it. But then when she finally goes by herself and the therapist is able to ask her like more pointed questions about her own childhood, that's when you realize it is hitting her mm-hmm. and that she maybe is finally being honest about some things and that's pretty awesome yeah yeah and you're like these people are hot messes and i like it (laughs) (laughs) and i I love when danny's like western western you know medicine doesn't work for eastern minds (laughs) or something like that and i'm like it's so funny (laughs) so good he says that multiple times (laughs) yeah yeah it's so funny oh man yeah it's it sucks because people did die Because of them. Yes. At at the hands of this terrible, terrible beef. Um, Holy shit. But yeah, at the end, you're like, well, the last two episodes, Danny's like coming clean to Paul about all the terrible things that he did. Yeah. And Amy's coming clean and she's trying to like live her more authentic life. And Danny's trying to as well. And it kind of seems like they're getting to a point where like they are bad people, but there's light for them. There's hope. But yeah, they are recognizing their flaws and trying to change versus just being like, well, I admitted to it. Like they're both trying to change. Right. And they're both they're both acknowledging that there's going to be some consequences. Because, yeah, if if the show were to go on. I mean, that whole police yeah. raid was intense. Yeah. Yes. So who who would go away for that? You know, would yeah. Naomi go away for for Jordan? Holy Which is like shit. one I, of the best I parts like, of the show. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So like, I love um, 
Is it Isaac Cho? Mm-hmm. Isaac Cho played by David Cho, who, like, to this point, I had only seen on, um, like, some of David Chang's shows, like Ugly Delicious and, like, other food shows that are, like, you know, like, docuseries where he was a guest and he's very funny and he's crazy artist. Um, but he was awesome as sort of, like, this scary, shady, but still lovable cousin. And mm-hmm. I really thought he was going to end up killing Danny at one point. Like, I was like, oh, he's not going to knock him out. He's going to, like, just come in and shoot him, you know? So right. I was sort of like, how is that going to affect the story? Or is he going to kill somebody else by accident, Paul or one of the other characters, just by them being there at the wrong time? So the way that they had that escalate with unintentionally kidnapping June and the dog – so cute. So cute. <laughs> so cute. And her being like, Zane, can we have more Skittles? Can we sing more songs? This is the best day ever. And you're like, he's not a terrible person. Like, he's legitimately concerned for her safety. But you could see how you would just panic and flee from a crime scene. Oh, yeah. Like, I was worried. I was worried George was going to be dead. I like, thought that so, maybe. too. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, did you kill him? And now you're going to go away for murder. But at least they kind of, like, I thought Fumi, the grandma, I was like, did she fall down the stairs and break her neck? Like, is she going to be dead? You know, so there was as many people that died at the very end. They did sort of break it up by having these people, like, survive violence so that you were sort of like, oh, well, it's okay. It's not so bad. Like, they got beat up, but nobody died. You know, you're like, Fumi's still alive. She's drugged up. She's okay. (laughs) She's okay. (laughs) You know, and then you're like, Fumi's got her own agenda because she's kind of leeching onto Amy's success and also recognizing that Amy is the one that keeps George going. So mm-hmm. it, I found that really interesting where it's sort of like, you're like, oh yeah, Fumi knows that Amy cheated, you know? And then you're sort of like, when's it going to come out? When they're going to find out, you know? And and you think Amy's finally going to get away with it until Paul shows up at their house and you're like, no. Nah. <laughs> It was so. going to be fine. Maybe. Yeah, everyone everyone was going to maybe be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did a lot of good subterfuge in this show, making you think things were going one way and things were not. Yeah. Like the instance where Amy was eating the Burger King and you think like she's just oh. coming from burning down the house, but she yeah, wasn't, did you, which was did wild. Did you think... Yeah, did you think she had burned down the house? Absolutely. Yeah, initially I was like, oh, she fucking burned down the house and she's eating the big chicken sandwich now. Yeah. You know, like, that's just like, but no, she was just eating her feelings because she was like, oh, I'm going to lose my husband and my daughter. Right. (laughs) So. Right. And I really didn't think that it was going to be Danny's faulty work that burned the house down i almost thought it was going to be isaac because i i for a minute there i was like well if it's not amy then maybe isaac's pissed that he got sent back to jail and he had somebody else set fire to danny's house to get back at him you know or he got out of jail and we don't know where he is and maybe he set fire to his house like i was kind of waiting for they did some like you know, when he was getting those those subscriptions to all the stupid magazines charged to him and and he accuses Paul and Paul's like, I don't I don't fish. I don't want any of that stuff. You know? I've never been to a stream. Um, yeah, I've never <laughs> been to a stream. Like there's so many good lines. And then you you know, you realize it's it's Edwin doing it just to fuck with him. 
But uh, I thought maybe it was Isaac, like, hiding out. They, like, you know, show the bushes. They, like, show – they keep showing the, like, sequence of the, the dirt. And you're like, well, what's going on? Is, like, somebody dead? Is somebody buried there? Like, what what is that flashed of? And then, you know, we find out later in those last two episodes. But Right. So stressful. <laughs> Very stressful. Yeah. It, it was just really, really sad that it was faulty wiring because, yeah, Danny, yeah. his entire life – you know, he's just, like, never quite gotten it right. Yeah. Heartbreaking to watch. He tr- and he tries so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you can't accuse him of being lazy or not caring. Like, he cares very much, almost too much sometimes. And then he tries so hard, but sometimes he doesn't know when to ease up. Right. You know? And then we kind of see him finally come clean to Paul about how many times he sort of held Paul back. But under the guise of, like, being a big, caring older brother, but not really looking out for him, he just didn't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Which is sad. Like, when you when they show that episode where he's applying for colleges, I'm like, oh, no, I know, th- I know what's going to happen. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Very heartbreaking. Yeah. Because, yeah, the whole time you're kind of hoping, like, I think Danny might be a good person. And then you're like, oh, no, Danny's, yeah. like, a pretty bad person. But he has room yeah. to grow. And he does. To get he out does. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, like, if you feel like by the end of the show, the two main characters have really learned, but I love that, like, when they're both depressed and Danny pretends to be Zane and then shows up at, you know, their house for George's art show. And he's like, I just wanted to see. You know, if you were happy, if you figured it all out, you know, and she's just like, everything fades, nothing lasts. We're like a snake eating its own tail. And then later on, Jordan, who's terrible, kind of says that same thing to Amy. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And and you realize, like, Amy's like, I don't want to be like her either, you know, but she was just being that person to Danny. So it's, it's sort of like, oh, <laughs> Yet, I wonder, too, if Amy started to wonder, like, this money thing, this thing that I've been chasing this whole time, is this what's numbing everything in my life? Like, the pursuit of this? Because it's, like, the raw texture of the aggression towards Danny is, like, what brings her back to life and what makes her feel something, which has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with human connection. (laughs) And I love that, like, that Vegas episode really, like... It sort of, like, brings to light that argument of, like, oh, I'm doing this for the money to take care of my family so that ultimately I can step away from work and spend more time with my daughter and my husband. But then she's given the opportunity to be on this panel and be, like, seen like a female badass in the business and be like, you can have it all. And she's like, yeah, I missed this, you know? So it's sort of like, oh, was that always your personality? You didn't actually want to step back. You just have to kind of rationalize what do you actually get pleasure or satisfaction from in life, you know? And she wants it to be her husband and her daughter, but she's not convinced that it is, which is really fucking sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the show does a good job of explaining that much more strongly through Danny's character. Danny saying, you know, like, I play by the rules, like... Yeah, I knew I could never really fall in love with someone who wasn't of our race and culture because that's what mom and dad would want. 
and right. I have to provide for the family and it's my responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. And yeah. so you can see that in his character that he's always struggled with, like, even getting to make choices for himself. Yeah, he feels, like, burdened by this responsibility Yeah, that he may or may not put on himself, but... Right, and it seems like Amy maybe struggles yeah. with that same stuff where she's like, yeah. well, I'm a woman, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm supposed to want these things, time with my husband, time with my child. Yeah. But I really don't. <laughs> Just sad. I, I thought it was interesting, too, when they do that flashback episode and then she goes to visit her parents, when you start to realize, like, the things that she – resented about her father she kind of emulates in her adult life you know so the you know she caught her dad cheating but then cheats herself and then you know it's sort of like she wanted to have the money to spend on things that she couldn't when she was a kid or to indulge in kind of the reckless behavior that she felt her parents didn't allow her to but they were doing themselves you know so it, it's it's so interesting like seeing stuff like that and be like, yeah, that's that's shaping them like right this second, you know, <laughs> it's just like, Ugh. yeah, it's also a very good PSA against candy. I guess this whole show oh, was like very so anti candy. <laughs> oh, man, uh, I definitely didn't want to eat chocolate after watching it. No, uh, I feel like maybe Skittles are still okay, but I was just like, oh man, when when they're out in the when you know in that episode where they're finally trying to survive and they're eating the berries and then they just start puking, you're like, oh no, <laughs> just like yep. now they're really now they're even more dehydrated slash maybe poisoned or hallucinogenic from dehydration, hunger, poisonous berries, whatever. You know, you're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, also a great reveal for Amy to admit, like, I really don't know a lot about plants. I just Google shit and make it up. That was so, so fucking funny and real. Because that, that that is a lot of it. Like, that's a lot of life. Yes. Like, most of the time when people default to asking somebody else to do something for them, at least in my own job experience, like, I'm like, why don't you just Google it? Like, that's like my first gut reaction is to just be like, I don't know what that is. Right. I have the World Wide Web at my fingertips. I'm just gonna look into this myself for five minutes. If I can't figure it out, then I'll ask somebody. Yep. That's the way to do <laughs> it. It's so funny. Yeah, I just love the, um, like, the whole, uh, when they're in Jordan's house and she's like showing off all of her like extensive crazy shit that she collects and then Amy's like oh I used to collect beanie babies <laughs> and Jordan says I don't know what that is yeah it's so good <laughs> it's just so fucking funny it's just she's like oh I'll try on the you know the headdress the Marge Simpson looking yes. one <laughs> it's like oh god yeah it's just so good and I was really worried that Paul died, you know, like, and I, I know that they did that on purpose, but that's when you know there's some growth when he's, Danny's just relieved that Paul's alive. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, like, no longer worried about his own getting arrested or whatever, but he's like, oh, thank God, Paul's okay. Right. That's, I'm like, oh, that's progress. That is progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I do have a, a serious question for you. Okay. Do you like George's vases? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I did write down the quote that um, uh, the two Isaac's two roommates that are like Bobby and then the the like ginger kid uh-huh. whose name I'm spacing out on. He said something like, "It looks like herpes poo poo." <laughs> It did, kind of, yeah. Some of and them I was do. Like, it does look like herpes poo pooed. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't even know they were supposed to be vases until the Mia character put some stuff in them at the store. I thought they were just like sculptures that were going to go on a table somewhere. And I'm like, he should just be trying to go to some weird LA gallery then. Like, why is she putting them in her store? But then I'm like, oh, they're vases. They're supposed to be functional. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, yeah. even when Fumi was like, he's no artist. It's like, oh, yeah. his own mom. So it's harsh. so brutal. Like that whole sequence when they're at the the furniture show, that was like some brutal next level shit where you're like, man, grandma sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, grandma sucks on many levels, you know, like to her own child, to her daughter-in-law, like. It's just like some weird shit, you know, the the ownership of and then but then she gets so real where she talks about how they didn't have money, but they decided to just not worry about it. Right. You know, and you're like, man, all right, that's one way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And it was so sad when she kept calling all of her friends that she probably hadn't talked to in a long time and yeah. no one wants to talk to her no one calls her she's back just lonely. except the money people call her back and that is yeah. it yeah she's so lonely and then that is sort of like a good indicator that her and amy are actually more alike than they would want to admit mm-hmm. you know because they're sort of like this fake you know, oh, thank you. Oh, thanks so much for, you know, taking care of June, blah, blah, blah. But then there's like this, like, they instigate each other as almost as much in, in other ways. But like you said, it's like a lot more passive. You know, it's like this fake, even Amy and Naomi being like fake nice to each other and being like, oh, my God, girl. Yeah, I respect you. <laughs> la, la, la. And then being like, bitch, I am going to find out if you're the road rage woman. Right. I have all the time in the world. <laughs> and to reference another show, she was quite citizen detective. Yes, she was. <laughs> Shirley was Susan Detective there for a while. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, Naomi's on the case. But then I just thought, you know, as soon as she's like, you're having an affair with Danny and Amy just laughs so hard. And it's kind of so cathartic. You're just like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be fine. She doesn't know what's going on. She has no idea. No, no. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, great show overall. Uh, really enjoyed it. Stylistically, so pretty to watch. Like, really engaging with the way yeah. they shot this show. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, the, the needle drops, the music used, so good. Ooh. They were, like, so integral to the episodes, like, to the climaxes of each episode. I was like, oh, what's coming? What's coming? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but was there anything else you wanted to talk about with beef? Oh, uh, I did really like as weird and surreal as those final episodes were. I did really love the um, them coming together 
and you not really being sure what was real them kind of like speaking as the other one when they get to that part where they're like no you know i'm i'm amy and you're danny yeah and then you're like no this it's the other way around but okay just go with it and you like they're able to say the things to each other that they wouldn't have been able to say right as themselves and it's like kind of beautiful (laughs) or like when she first finds danny and she wants his help. And he's like, use nice words. <laughs> I think the whole time just, Danny just wanted her to use nice words. It's so funny because it's like so honest. So I love when they're finally able to really be honest with each other about how they feel, who they are. And then they realize how liberating that is to be able to be seen for real by somebody else. And I think that that's what makes like that final episode shot So, you know, gut punch is like Amy being in the hospital with him and being like, oh, this is the person I want to make sure is okay and be there for, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would be perfectly content if that was just the end. Like if that was a movie and that was the end of the movie, I'd be like, that's it. Yeah, that's great. It's what we were working towards. Exactly. Progress. Progress. (laughs) Catharsis. Um, I did really like the like hilarious crows with the subtitles at the beginning of the last episode. <laughs> Cause you kind of think Isaac makes up a bullshit story about Danny feeding the crows just to like make him look good in front of all the church girls. Right. But then you're like, but then you have that like being like, ah, oh, yeah, he fed me once. I hope he feeds me again. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> yeah. Let's help so him out. Funny. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is genius. This this is very good. <laughs> yeah, I I really liked how absurd everything seemed at times. I think the characters spoke to each other in very strange ways. Totally. And um, it kind of made me feel like I was going crazy a little bit. Yes. Yeah. It's very rare. And this is like a very mild example of this. But there's a scene where Amy's talking about the, the Vegas conference. And she was like, yeah, right. I got asked to speak. And then George later in the phone call is like, oh, but you're coming home, right? And she was like, no, remember that conference? And I was like, wow, like, I don't really see that very often in shows, that realism of like, couples kind of half listening to each other and kind of just like missing a point. But it did kind of make me feel like I was going a little insane watching some of the episodes. It was cool. Yeah, and I... I think that tension building helps because then when their actions get escalated, you're kind of along for the ride. Right. So you're sort of like, oh, yeah, shit's going down. Oh, my God. June and the dog are in the back of the truck. And you're just like, what is going to happen? She's just going on a little joyride with her buddy Zane. I know. They're just singing Pop Goes the Weasel. (laughs) With new verses and everything. So cute. So funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. I found it. I wrote this down. George asks Amy, have you ever heard of a divine twin? A divine twin. <laughs> <laughs> That's very oh, good. So, Cho bros. Oh, man. So good. Cho bros. Chosen ones. The chosen. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love the uh, the concept of the Kelly Clarkson rice cooker. Because I have a rice cooker that definitely plays Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that I got online and it's great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so the fact that you would be able to get one with Kelly Clarkson is hilarious. And him like trying to sell his parents on that and being like, no, it's like the top hit of the nineties. What? Right. <laughs> right. They're they're like, we don't want that. We already have one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, lots of what like you... humble touches in there. Yeah, totally. I was gonna say what what was like your favorite needle drop as far as like w- which end of an episode were you like, holy crap? <laughs> I guess maybe the one that like really stuck out to me was Cornflake Girl, just because oh, yeah. Yellow Jackets just used it at the end of their first episode in season two. So it was just like kind of cool. I'm like, good for Tori. Yeah. She's getting some money <laughs> right yeah. now. I I like had a period of time where I really loved Tori and then, you know, not to be an asshole, but like <laughs> I went to I went to a women's college and I kind of rejected all of those singers for a while mm-hmm. because they were so beloved by like everyone that I was like, I'm listening to Foo Fighters and Presidents of the United States of America instead, really loud in my room, and no Ani DeFranco and no Tori <laughs> and no Sarah McLaughlin. And then like now that I'm getting older, I'm like, oh yeah. I really like all of those. I used to listen to them a lot when I was younger, you know? Like, yeah. Just, so hearing them again on all of these shows, I'm just like, oh, she's good. <laughs> you know, like I, I like went and bought a couple of albums that I didn't have on vinyl because I was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to these again in the house really loud. It's just good. <laughs> yeah, they are good. And yeah, I think they're definitely having a resurgence right now in popularity totally. because of television. Yeah. 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 What was your favorite needle drop? Uh, I, I really loved when, um, Danny starts singing, uh, Drive by Incubus. I think that's pretty great. Um, but that basketball episode with Machine Head is so good. Because that Very song good. is so nuts, you know what I mean? Like, we've already got, like, all of the, you know, fear, like, Marky Mark that movie has burned that song into my mind. But mm-hmm. then, you know, anytime somebody pulls that song out, it's like so easy to just be like, 90s! Like, you're so intense. Big time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that overlaid with like the realization of knowing that Danny let Isaac take the fall. Oh, and it's man, just like, was that intense? The juxtaposition of like this childhood sport of basketball, you know, yeah. basketball tournament. Yeah, just really good. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like David Cho did a really good job of, like, all of a sudden becoming scary. Yeah. You sort of, like, you're like, oh, he's looking out for Danny. He misses him. His feelings get hurt. He's sensitive. But then as soon as you know that he screwed up with the truck and they got, you know, and he gets arrested, he's like, no, any money we get from the church is mine. Like, it's all mine now. Otherwise, like, shit is going to go down and you're like, oh, no, I'm like legitimately scared for Danny that he's going to hurt him or do worse or whatever, you know. So I thought he did a really great job. I don't know if he's been in much else at like legit acting wise, but I would I would definitely watch David Cho again. He was great. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, this will be a cool project to see going forward, like who gets cast from from being in this. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was also yeah. very unfamiliar with the guy who played George, and I thought George was also great. So so you, so you know what's really weird? I only just last night recognized him, but Mike and I have been watching the new season of Picard. Oh. And, he, and he's just a member of the crew on Picard. He's just got like a little bit of facial makeup on, but I was like, oh, shit, that's George. That's fun. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so maybe he's like, he's out there. And then I read something that he's like – also a painter in real life. 
Very um, cool. Maybe at maybe abstract. So not a sculptor, but he's an artist and has had shows and stuff like that. So I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> good for George. Yeah, good for George. Good for uh, <laughs> Joseph Lee. Yeah. He, was, he was great. I would watch him again. He's a cutie. Yeah. He's so nice. Definitely. He's very even keel. <laughs> yeah. Cares about his daughter. It's a good trait. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, Diana, do you have anything you would like to plug or anything Uh, exciting that you're watching or anything else you'd like to talk about? Oh man. Well, I haven't, I haven't watched today the newest episode of Yellow Jackets yet. Nor have I. I Because I had to work this morning and then I crammed these last two episodes of beef. But, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Yellow Jackets. I've been listening to, uh, it's part of like the Ringer podcast series. Um, I've been listening to two uh, female writer commentators each week after I've watched the episode, and they like seriously do deep dive. I'll send you a link to one in, in case you might like it, because uh, they're both very funny, and they have their own crazy speculations, and they talk at the very end of each episode how much the show is sometimes like Lost, which is pretty fun. Yeah. I, I love Lost, so they kind of like throw around some stuff, um, whether things are like each other, whether they're doing it on purpose to, to bait us, which maybe they are, I don't know, you know, so right. it's just, it's just really fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, there's been, there's been a lot of good content on the website lately. Um, so definitely go over to storyscreenbeacon.com. I just watched Rye Lane, which is on Hulu. And I would say that I'm not normally someone who loves, rom-coms but this was a really fun one it's really funny and it's very specific to like a couple of neighborhoods in london and they're just sort of like walking around and stopping at all these places and it's really vibrantly colorful and there's like just the the type of lenses that are used it's really fun it 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 didn't feel stale in that genre and i don't usually gravitate to that kind of stuff but i really liked it so yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it after reading your review. It seems oh, cool. like it would be a really good one. Yeah, because I agree with you. I typically don't gravitate towards rom coms super much. And yeah. like the last really good one was Palm Springs. So Totally. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh you may want to watch it with subtitles because they are British and they are talking <laughs> fast and there are some accents thrown around. So, you know, I didn't keep it on the whole movie, but there were a couple of times where I was like, I didn't get the joke because I couldn't understand what was happening. So, <laughs> so yeah, sometimes it's good to have some subtitles around. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Great idea. This was a good show. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I can definitely see myself watching it again at some point, but maybe taking yeah. a little bit of a break because it is pretty yeah. heavy, but good. Mike Mike didn't watch it because I was cramming it. So maybe if he decides to watch it later on more leisurely, I'll sit down for an episode or two rewatch for sure. But like, yeah, it's stressful. So I don't need to jump back in right away. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just enjoy another type of stress with yellow jackets. It's like yes. a little bit lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Might be grosser, but yes. a little lighter. A little lighter. Less real, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, listeners, uh, for sticking with us with this episode of Cathode Raycast. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast or you just want to help us out, make sure you subscribe and 
make sure to give us a like. Um, feel free to comment. That would be great too. And just share it around. That's always very helpful. And again, yeah, check out storyscreenbeacon.com like Diana said, because you can find all of our fun social media at the bottom of that page. And all of that is very helpful. We just recently launched a Patreon, so you'll see that also on the website. So go check that out. That's a fun way to support us and also get yourself some nice little goodies. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> thanks so much, listeners. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.